What are the righteous? Are we supposed to be living our lives in fear? Afraid of what's always coming? Afraid of that next pandemic? Afraid of that next disease? Afraid of that next virus? That next bug? That next variant? Afraid of the next downturn in the economy? Afraid of the weather? Afraid, afraid, afraid? No! No, not, there's not supposed to be a trace of that stuff in us because the righteous, the right in the sight of God are bold as a lion. Boldness. This is how we know you believe this stuff. There'll be a boldness about you. Boldness. It's a defining characteristic of the righteous. Do you know it takes some guts to be a Christian in 2023? The time that you and I are living in right now is not for the faint and it's not for the weak of heart. It takes some spiritual guts to be a believer today. And you and I can be bold, but not bold in ourselves, bold in what Jesus has done. Now, there are some symptoms, there are some evidence of those who don't believe they're the righteousness of God. Those things would be some things we've already talked about, some fear. Shame is a symptom. Timidity, sin consciousness, Lacking in confidence. Now, I'm not talking to you today about being arrogant. I'm talking about being confident. Well, what's the difference? Arrogance is simply confidence minus the awareness of Jesus. Listen to that again. Arrogance is confidence minus the awareness of Jesus. So what is confidence? That's not boldness in myself. That's not boldness in my own education, my own experience. That's a source of boldness and confidence that comes from knowing who I am in him. Comes from knowing that I am right in the sight of God. One of the symptoms of those who don't believe they are the righteousness of God is that they just tolerate the enemy. They just constantly put up with and deal with his stealing, his killing, and his destroying. They don't resist. They don't rebuke. And one of the major symptoms of not believing you're the righteousness of God is powerlessness. In studying some of these things, I came across another verse, and you'll like this. This is out of the book of Isaiah chapter 5, verse 29. He said, their roaring will be like a lion. They will roar like young lions. Yes, they will roar and lay hold of the prey. This is, these two things here kind of sum up the boldness of a lion. The, the lion roars and the lion lays hold. The lion roars and the lion lays hold. I think as the Lord leads us, we'll carry that last part into next week. Let me talk to you just a little bit about the roar of the righteous. Found this out, that a lion's roar can reach 114 decibels. Now, for some frame of reference, that would be like having a rock band in here putting on a, a concert at full volume. That's, that's about what 114 decibels is. A lion's roar can be heard from up to five miles away. And they use their roar to warn intruders, and they use their roar to mark their territory. Now, I have a golden doodle. 
And he also marks his territory, but it is not with a 114 decibel roar. They use their roar to mark out what belongs to them and to keep away those who would steal, to warn away intruders. When you study boldness and what it actually means, I love this, we've talked about it some in the past, but the word boldness defined literally means unreservedness of speech. Unreservedness of speech. That's not a timid roar. That's not a sheepish roar. Lions aren't known for their timidity, are they? Their fear. Boldness has to do with what's coming out of your mouth. The words that are coming out of your mouth. Confidence is in the heart. Boldness is in the mouth. And it's an unreservedness of speech. You want to know what it really is? It's free speech. Boldness is free speech. Now the wicked right now are running in terror. They're going to take away our free speech. They're trying to rob us of our rights, our free speech. Listen to me. If you're the righteousness of God, can nobody rob you of your free speech? Free speech was not the idea of those who founded this government. Free speech was in the heart of God thousands and thousands of years ago. Free speech is a gift not given to you just by the United States government or the Constitution of the United States, although we are thankful for it and we are grateful forever to have it. My free speech is a gift that came from the throne of grace. Your free speech is a gift from God and nobody can take it from you. He has given you the ability to speak unreservedly, to speak freely, and to roar with the boldness of a lion because you are right in the sight of God. If you believe this, this would be a defining characteristic in your life. Now, we have an example of a lion in Scripture. The book of Revelation calls Jesus the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen? And you can look through the gospel accounts and you can see some boldness. Do you think when Jesus ministered, there was any trace of fear in his eyes? Do you think there was a tone of shame in his voice? Or do you think he ministered and he roared with perfect confidence and clarity? Because it takes some boldness. You go back and look at some of the stuff he said and some of the stuff he did. I don't know why we read the Bible in such a boring tone. But it took some boldness to say the stuff he said. It took some confidence when he's preaching in a house and somebody starts digging open the roof and they're letting down a man who's paralyzed, it takes some boldness in the presence of a bunch of religious people to say, son, your sins are forgiven you. And all the religious people in there, oh, 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 how dare he? How dareth he forgive? Only God can forgive. It takes some boldness in the face of religion, in the face of tradition to preach the truth. And Jesus said, oh, yeah? You think that's bad? Watch this. Rise up, take up your mat, and walk. You walking home today, brother. It takes some boldness to look at somebody paralyzed and say, rise and walk. You don't get results by being afraid. You want the same results Jesus got? You got to say not only what he said, but the way he said it. There's got to be some boldness rising up on the inside of you. Amen. 
It takes some boldness to stand up in the bow of a ship. When it looks like you are sinking and it looks like you are going down in the storm, it takes some boldness to look at wind, to look at waves, and to shout, Peace! Be still! Why do we read that and think he said, Peace! Be still! Come on, that's not how he said it. He said it with some boldness. The lion of the tribe of Judah has roared. And the wind and the waves said, yes, okay, sorry, yes. Peace, be still. It takes some boldness. It takes some boldness to walk up to the tomb of a man who's been dead four days. It takes some boldness when you know that the man's family's there and all the local religious leaders have come. It takes some boldness to pray and to pray out loud. Father, I pray. I know you hear me. You always hear me when I pray. That's some boldness, isn't it? I'm praying this now so that they can hear me. You know Jesus didn't walk up to the tomb, knock on the rock. Lazarus. Hey, buddy. What did he say? Roll the stone away. But Jesus, he's been dead four days. What did I say? I said, if you'd believe, you would see the glory of the Lord. Take some boldness to say that, to tell somebody they will see. You know what doesn't take boldness? You never know what God's going to do. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. God in his sovereignty and in his great mysterious plan. That takes no boldness. That is fear. It's fear of what other people are going to think. What if I say that and it doesn't happen? What if I say that and they, oh, they hear me? Fear of other people is a boldness killer. Fear of what others might think is a confidence killer. Do you think Jesus ever once was concerned what the Pharisees might think? You know he wasn't. Because with boldness, he looked at him in the eye and said, you bunch of snakes, you brood of vipers, woe unto you. It takes some boldness to say that to the people you know are going to kill you. No fear. That's our lion. That's our lion. And we have been made righteous with that lion's righteousness. We have that same boldness. It takes some boldness to say, roll away the stone. It takes some boldness to stand out there and in front of a dead man and a bunch of other people, lift your voice and say, Lazarus, come forth. That was some boldness that day, wasn't it? Tell me about the results. What did that produce? That man came walking out, wrapped in those grave clothes, and he said, loose him and let him go. You want those results? Say not only what he said, but how he said it. Boldness is a defining characteristic of those who are right in the sight of God. Go to the book of Mark chapter 1. Let me give you one more example of Jesus and his boldness. And then we'll look at the way it shows up in our lives. Because this is not something, you can't point to this and say, well, you know, that was Jesus. That's the Son of God. No, He's our example. Yeah. 
Mark chapter 1, you'll read something here that you see repeated in several places throughout Scripture. But you see this beginning in verse 21, Mark 1, 21. It says, They went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he, Jesus, entered the synagogue and he taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. That's what really blew these people away. That's what these people could not figure out about him. His teaching had a different tone about it. His teaching had something in it they'd never heard before. And this goes on to say he didn't teach as one of the scribes, as one of the Pharisees. They heard all that before. Man, they'd heard the law. They heard it taught. They heard it preached over and over and over again. They'd heard it all. And they heard it in that same probably very monotone voice. They probably heard people say this, and this was the tradition, and we must hold to the tradition of the elders. And God, there is one, but one God, and but one Lord. Okay, true. Does it have to be that boring? <laughs> Here comes Jesus, maybe even saying some of those same things. Maybe he, even, he even brought to light the law and some, maybe some of the things they'd heard before, but they'd never heard it this way. There was a tone about it. There was something in it they'd never experienced. And they could not figure it out. He teaches as one who has what? Authority. Authority. They were astonished, verse 22, at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Verse 23 says, Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and this unclean spirit cried out. This, this unclean spirit's making some noise. He's crying out. This is distracting. He's saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him. Let me say it to you like this. The lion of the tribe of Judah roared and said, Be quiet. Come out of him. Why on earth would we read that like, Be quiet. Come out of him. No, it was the authority in it. It was the boldness in it. And I'm not saying you got to be loud because God's hard of hearing. That's not what this is about. But notice what's happening here. You've got an evil spirit that's crying out. Well, we need the voice of righteousness to be louder than that voice. And so much of the time when you have got symptoms in your body, feelings of pain, when you're dealing with something, that thing is talking to you and it's talking loud. And you have got to give voice to the roar of the righteous that's on the inside of you. And sometimes you got to lift up a shout that's louder than the voice of doubt. You got to lift up a praise that's louder than the voice of pain. You got to lift up a shout of praise and thanksgiving to God, your provider that's louder than the lack. Are you listening to me? It's the voice of boldness, it's the voice of authority. And that's what Jesus ministered with. He said, Be quiet, be come out, uh, come out of him. When the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him, and they were all amazed. And they questioned among them saying, themselves, saying, This, what is this? 
What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. And Jesus went from there. You know what his next stop was? Peter's mother-in-law's house. He walked in there and she was on the bed sick with a fever. And Jesus walked up to her. You know what the Bible says? He rebuked the fever. Jesus talked to the fever. He's not talking to God. I hope you're listening to this. This is not a prayer. This is not a request made unto God. Jesus is talking to the fever. And he rebuked it. That is a strong word to rebuke. And we know that the fever can hear because the very next verse is, she got up and she was restored and she was healed because he spoke to that fever. This is the roar of the righteous, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, as we wrap this up, go with me to the book of Acts, bearing in mind that he's our example and these are not things that are just exclusive to him or his ministry or his deity. I want you to see this at work in the lives of the disciples. In Acts chapter 2, you're familiar with this. We talked about it a moment ago. This is the day that they were all gathered together in that upper room. And there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. The Bible says it filled the house where they waited. Tongues of fire sat on each one of them. They began to speak with other tongues. And they all praised God. And they came stumbling drunk out of that upper room. Everybody thought they'd been drinking all morning long. But the Spirit of God came on Peter. And he began to boldly preach. And he preached a message that day so bold, so big, that 3,000 people were added to the church. It was the result of that boldness. They came on him when he was filled with the Spirit. Now you get to Acts chapter 3, and in verse 1, it says, Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Now listen to the way he said it. Not just reading the words, listen for that tone. Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, come here, I, I, uh, I don't want to say this too loud. Uh, there's, a, man, there's a lot of Pharisees around here, and gosh, you know what they're capable of. But listen, I, I was, can I whisper this to you? No. He said, look at us. The man gave him his attention. And Peter said, verse 6, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have... I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. This is boldness right here. To grab a man who can't walk and yank that joker up and tell him, rise and walk. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew it was him who sat there begging. 
and it drew a crowd of people. I bet it did. Peter's shouting. He's yelling, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And everybody turns to see what's going on. And that dude that had been laying there every day for 40 years, he's no longer lame. He's up. He's dancing. He's walking. He's leaping. He's praising God. It gets a crowd of people. And Peter, who just a few days ago denied even knowing Jesus, when they said, hey, aren't you with him? No. I don't know what you're talking about. Fear, shame, timidity. Well, what's changed? This boy got filled with the Holy Ghost. And this boldness rises up in him. And he starts preaching to people. And he's not preaching some mealy mouth message. He's preaching Jesus. And he looks at him and he said, yeah, you know Jesus, the one you crucified? Yeah, him. And he began to preach what would happen if they would repent. You know what takes some boldness to tell people to repent? He preached repentance. And the Bible says that 2,000 more were added. But this caused such a stir that the religious guys heard about it and they gathered around and they weren't very happy about it. And it says in verse 8 that Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this day we are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he's been made well, let it be known to all y'all. That's my translation. And to all the people of Israel, that the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Somebody say boldness. I can prove it to you. Verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were untrained or uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They marveled. They saw the boldness. Not only did they see it, they heard it. Peter's preaching. There's boldness coming out his mouth. And they figured out these are not trained men. These are not educated men. In other words, their confidence didn't come from their education, didn't come out of their training in the scriptures. Where does their confidence come from? They identified where it came from. They perceived they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. These guys sound just like that guy. These guys are bold, roaring, just like that guy did. I thought we got rid of this problem. Nope, you just made it worse. And it goes on to say, seeing verse 14, the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it, but they commanded them to go out of the council they conferred among themselves saying, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about these men? Indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to all. We can't deny it. There's proof. Everybody who dwells here sees it. We can't deny it. Verse 17, but so that it spreads no further among the people, what are we going to do? Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. What's the enemy trying to do? Shut them up. 
Satan doesn't like words of faith coming out of your mouth. There is nothing that scares him more than the roar of the righteous. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.